I'm fine. Hello, everyone. Today, our episode, we're hitting with a football coach, with a new football coach of the Lübeck Kugos, the new head coach this year, Philipp Stoßberg, the longtime linebacker for the Lübeck Kugos, Hamburg Sea Devils, one of the fewest players is left over from um, the NFL hero time, the good old times. So we want to talk with him about his journey as a player and now becoming the head coach of one of the hottest programs in North Germany of the Liga Kugos and of course his coaching channel and about figured out what is the guy behind, why he's coaching football, where he comes from and how everything goes on. With me again, Coach Melle. We are here from Ravensburg and now cross over the country. Philip, how are you doing up there in Lübeck? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm great. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you too. Um, yeah, Philip, how, how is it from linebacker now to be the football coach of the team you always play for? You always play with the Lübeck Kugos. Uh, how is it? Big footsteps, you're coming in. How is it? Well, except for the situation, it's a great feeling. Like um, when I took over for Mark Holzer, who left um, big shoes to fill, um, there's always going to be a change if you have the change of a head coach, you know that. Um, so I try to, to put uh, at least a little bit of my stamp on, on the team right now. Um, He helped me a lot and I still um, have him there as, as a mentor, which he always was as a coach for me. Um, the drive to, um, to get better as a coach every year, to, to go to clinics and to develop as a coach overall, um, that drive I have like most likely from him because he's one of the few guys in, in football I know that always tries to, tries to improve himself, tries to improve everybody around him. And, and gets more knowledge all the time. Like, um, not only like football knowledge, but also like social skills or methods, how you, how you teach things and um, how you talk with two people, stuff like that. So um, the first big step I took when I took over is, because I know football is um, a lot of social energy you put in there. Like everybody in Germany has, has a job on the side. There's a few guys who are, blessed enough to be paid for what they do and follow their passion. But most of us who don't get paid. So um, for me, the most crucial part is that for coaches and for players, as competitive as GFL2 can get, um, you invest a lot of yourself. Um, so my major focus in the beginning was to, to put it on as many legs as could. So you started off with recruiting coaches, um, which is, in my opinion, one of the most important things if you have a program like you cannot coach a team with three coaches that's um that's really not fair to the coaches not fair to the players it's it's not going to help you develop or growth so the first thing you always should do before you start even thinking about practice is get in more coaches um and i know a lot of people who are like more um come more of the teaching area or more out of like more business oriented like companies that work with a lot of people And when they start football programs, that's always their first approach. We need to get more people involved in coaching so we have more manpower to transfer the knowledge to the player. 
because that's in the end our job. We have to get the player ready to to get it done. And we like, I can have one coach on the sideline who knows everything, but there's eleven guys on the field who don't know nothing. So and not can don't know how to perform it. Yeah, and that's that's a true reason why this is so important for me. Like not only to to get better as a coach, but also how to teach coaches, how to teach, uh, how to get more coaches involved. And in the end, we left, I think, last year with seven coaches. Then two of them left the, left the program or in the program moved to another position, like Mark. He's no sports director, which is needed because of our fusion with the other, other club in Lübeck. That be became a bigger club. A lot of organization stuff that's needed. So it's not that he didn't do a great job. We ended up in second place last year. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of organizational, like, matters where he has to attend to we have uh, not only that but also um, we need to get the whole club structure ready for gfl in the future and that's projects that he he attends to now and tries to create value at that point yeah um so i started with eventually then i started recruiting coaches and in like pretty early on we had 10 already but I said, okay, as long as I can push through recruiting coaches, I will do that. And, but I never argued with the players. I want to reach that number or whatever. Like I always said, okay, I get as many as people as get involved in the program into, um, into my vision of the program or the first team right now, not the whole program. Um, and now we end like in the beginning of the year, we had like 10 and then in the end of January, where we still were in the recruiting process for players, we ended up with 13 coaches. Wow. So, and my, 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 my look behind that is not that we have to get more coaches involved. So everything is like working like a clockwork, like um, that we don't have to grind them. That's especially the reason um, because everybody has jobs and everything. We still need a clear hierarchy, like head coach, coordinator, first position coach, second position coach. Um, but in the end, like there's no way that I can tell a husband that he cannot go to his wife if she's sick or his kid is sick or he has to work late. That's, that's the environment we live in. We have to work with. And that's why I get so many coaches. At least I try to get two for each position group. So if one of them has a schedule that they that we can plan with it or which is also common in germany you don't take holidays in the season but that is from february to august mm -hmm. so which is ridiculous like a lot of people try to do it and then like somebody is always gonna you're gonna hurt somebody in the team in the club or whatever your position group because you're not there and you that's why you don't do it you feel bad for it if you do it and like this you have the luxury to say, okay, the other position coach, yeah, he will take care of it. And yeah. you will, you don't have these, like what I saw over the years as a coach, especially in the youth or in the first team now, um, that you grind people too hard. And, and like, it's not like they would not put that in for their passion. If they would be paid for it, they would do 60 hours. I bet you like nearly every football coach in Germany would do 60 hours if he would get paid. Um, but they don't. They have a 40-hour job at home. And then they go to practice or prepare practice or prepare video or like do a lot of stuff. So like that, you do take that out of, the, out, of the, out of the equation. Like you always can say, I have a fallback. And as long as, and then I'm not this like dominant coach that has to say, okay, one of you has to be there. I just say, as long as one of you guys is there and you 
talk to each other how you want to handle it. Like, I don't care. You handle it. And if somebody's there, it's fine. If nobody's there, I will still be able to figure out a way because I have on each side at least two position groups with other coaches who perhaps can coach at least a few things at that position group. So I will always have at least everybody is getting coached every day. And that's the most crucial part because we don't have so much time in Germany and we have to use it as efficient as possible. And if there's possibly only two defensive coaches for three position groups and they have a nice plan, like a nice team and nice indie periods and then perhaps one-on-ones. But if they have only two coaches to coach three position groups, that all their plan is crap because then a player starts to coach. He will not get better. He will not give good feedback for the players because he's not a teacher. He's a player um, and all that. So that's the first step I took and which was the most important part for me. And with that, you can have always, and we talk, like we can talk about motivation of players in Germany. I think one of the biggest motivations is first competition and second being coached. Yeah. And, and this is great motivational if you don't have scholarships or pay worlds or whatever. This is a great um, tool to recruit is to have a good coaching staff. And that's another point where, where I think that's better for German coaching to have a big coaching staff. And it's not like it's too much. Like I would, I could handle 15 coaches. No problem. Be, because you have just, if you have the right structure and a good hierarchy and you, and the social um, system between the coaches works, if they have the same motivation, like personal passionate motivation, then, then, then it works always. And this is, it was great to see that flourish in the beginning of the season. Like, and the second part was then I, I tried to, and Mark helped me with that more because he was in that role a lot longer than I um, with the recruiting of players. Um, but it was more like a mentoring. Like he, he was at few of, in a few of the player meetings in there to, to in recruiting talks. But in the end, I, I think we talked to at least like first context, 300, second context versus personal meetings, like, uh, let's say 20, 30% of that, who are like, there's only a few people like truly interested in what your program stands for, or mm-hmm. think perhaps that they're not good enough for GFL2, which I never think in Germany or GFL1. I think everybody can get coached to that level. Except for people that don't put in the work. Um, and then from that, we got kind of big chunk uh, committed to our team in the end. So we ended up last, or we started last season, like 2019, with I think 47, 48 passes, okay. um, which is already very good for us because we did a good recruiting job last year already. But years before, Lübeck was always a small, like very close team, like 35 guys. End of the season, last home, last away game, 25 guys, that's it. Like, it was always 30-30 in the end. But, but right now, like, you cannot go like that in the GFL. We three tried that. We saw it didn't work. Like, yeah. we have to get more coaches. We have to get better, better coaching in the team. We have to get better organization. And we have to get more players. And then we ended up this year with um, 65 players for the first team in, in the passes, which always we know that injury jobs everything like it's going to come down to normal game game day roster but it's a way way better situation than we were in the last few years also we got a few great additions like to 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 both sides of the ball 
which yeah. I'm really happy about. So all that work we put in for like at least it was six months in the end, like coaching, recruiting, player recruiting, planning, coach meetings, all that. You know the drill. But in the end, it was six months and it flourished really when we saw how many people can put into the program and into the first team and, and, and like develop like a true football team. Like, like, yeah, like you wish you would have it. Like this is um, um really, really great situation I'm in. And uh, as much I was like not really happy about the whole situation that we cannot hit the field right now. Like we were in, we had two day camps already with two days and meals between and, and barbecue in the end of the day and really good like team bonding over month. Mm -hmm. And it already looked like football after two day camps. And we didn't hit the field in, in dress, like in, in uniforms for the whole winter. Like we did athletics, we did technique, we did everything helmets only. We did no, nothing like true, like, playbook related or installation or anything and we have these day camps and we installed them last year and this is really really great and we can do that because of our great facilities you have right now because of the fusion of the clubs yeah absolutely how i mean how is this turmery right now for you personally you start football playing with the lübeck cougars become now the head coach so you see the Cougars going bigger and bigger as you're now in the position, you say, uh, having 13 coaches. How was for you as a player when you start with the Lübeck Cougars and how was for you and the Lübeck Cougars this, uh, this, this journey over the last, last years? Because at your playing time, you are one of the best linebackers in Germany. You played for Team Germany and winning two uh, European championships with. So... How that first of all, thank you. The Kugos <laughs> was going together this way. Um, well, at the beginning, I didn't even like when you start football, and I started in the time where, like, 1995, I started playing football, and back then, football I was. was... Kindergarten at 1995. <laughs> what were you? On? You were what? I didn't get it. I was in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was 15, so it wasn't like, but. but it's it's quite a while ago it's right um but that's why i'm not playing anymore right yeah. um so when i started um that was very different like there was these situations that i now try to change where you only have three or two coaches for the whole team and we still had a great team and and not a small one either in Lübeck. um and so i played three years for 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 the use before that like i transitioned out of another sport which is uh, interesting um, when I when we moved to northern Germany, we moved from Cologne. So I grew up in Cologne or near Cologne in a small village, and I played ice hockey before. Oh. So and then we moved up here, and there's an ice hockey team like in a in a city pretty close by. But and yeah, at that point it wasn't that great because I left the Cologne um, Sharks. Yeah. Um, uh, the KIC and which is now like this, they are a DL team like one of the good teams in Germany. Yeah. Um, and I left that youth and came here and they were like a regional league. And I was like, I don't, nah, I don't want that. Even though I was this like really small kid that didn't know about sports, anything. And I was like, nah, I don't want that. And then after a year or so, we, we went with a friend of my brother to, uh, to football practice, take, took a look at it. Um, next day or like next practice, I went there. And since then, 
perhaps missed five practices since I started. <laughs> because it, it hooked me right away. Like, um, yeah. And, but, but I started as a DN for the first, I think, five, six, seven years. And then transitioned into linebacker in 2013. Um, because then we got a very good um, American head coach who knew much more about coaching than, than a few still in Germany know right now. Because um, he had 40 years of high school experience and he knew how to work with kids. And he knew a lot about um, psychology and how, how to really teach people stuff. And sometimes he had really like weird views. For example, he, he chewed on a cigar because we told him you cannot smoke a cigar on the sideline, even not on game days. <laughs> okay. Because he always smoked cigars his whole life. And we told him, like, you cannot do that. I was like, hmm, okay, can I keep it in my mouth and chew on it? <laughs> we were like, uh, it's, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> and we were already in, on a turf field back then, so he was chewing on that, spitting the whole <laughs> thing around. But he was, he was like an old, nice guy and really, really awesome coach, Milton Theodatis, and I still have contact with him from time to time. Um, and he really, like, was the first American coach um, who put a lot of knowledge in, in, in our system, in our program. And, um, like, the defense was, was not, like, fancy. It was a pretty old system, like a 5-3 system with true five linemen. And but it worked for that time because you also knew every corner of it. Like, and that's where we first got a look at a coach who knows his system at a total and also the offensive system we ran back then. Um, and know how that you need to set up the techniques for, for, the, for the front or the coverage you want to run. That everything you do has a purpose and there's still the, like, the team socialization part you also always uh, included very big um, which all of these factors helped us a lot to understand the whole thing. Um, yeah, that was in 2003. Um, and he transitioned me to linebacker because back then I was already the fastest guy on the team, most likely, except for Patrick Wisniewski, who all also went to NFL Europe as a running back back then. And he tried to get me to college in 2003 already. And I visited... Um, Rhode Island Rams and Iowa State Cyclones back then and got at least got letters of intent mm -hmm. but back then I already studied three years in Germany and uh, I didn't make the NCAA like regulations to to be a college, okay. college um, but two years later I, I went to NF Europe so that worked out <laughs> pretty good because they guys these those guys came out of college so I skipped that part yeah. um, still have my German like computer science degree <laughs> um yeah and and for europe then was it was a whole different story like it opened my eyes to so many things um like like i said mentioned coach he already showed us that learning from a video is a lot like really important but to to understand and see how that can work out in a professional environment with nf europe where they have you three video rooms and you can use them whenever you want to it did was like there was true heaven for me as a football player at that point. Like you sleep in a hotel, you only have to go to practice, you only go to meetings and then you have free time and access to video of everything. Like this is a dream come true for, for any player in Germany. And 
um, I didn't understand a lot of American players who did use that. Like there were like three guys in the three video rooms every, nearly every night. And it was uh, one of the tight ends, myself, and one, uh, one of the special teamers, which is crazy. <laughs> but, but we, like, we watched the, the crap out of those videos, like made comments and everything. And, and also I had the great privilege to be coached by Denal Brown back then as a D-line coach, who later on also went to Germany as a, as a coach for different teams, um, like a head coach. Um, back then he was my D-line coach. And he gave us little, like, um, homeworks, I would say. Like, grade the offensive line, for example, for one week or next week. Get out the pass protection patterns they run. Or... So they, he tried to teach us by letting us do the work, which is truly the best way to, do, to, to teach. Um, so when I handed my papers in, the, the others, they made notes like, yeah, he's an A, he's a B, he's a C, and that's it. <laughs> and I put him two <laughs> or four papers with like the, this protection, he tends to lean on his right and whatever. And he was said, okay, we have those, and then, then I have this lecture here. <laughs> At least you're prepared. But I think that was the, the part that gave the coaches the confidence there, still in my rookie year to put me on the field in the first game. Like, and in the fourth game, um, they made me like we didn't had always starters like we had first lineup but we always rotated like everybody in like this we had only a few guys that were not rotated in and they they made the coaches do that like if we're not performing or not preparing right they cannot get on the field but I had great coaches and like all of them not only my D-line coach um, and they gave us the opportunity if we could make it and that was a great, great experience at that point in time because I knew at different teams, for example, around fire, they had, especially the national players, like the Mexicans, Japanese, European players, they don't have a lot of credit. And they, like, in back in Europe, there was a rule that every second drive, they, they put a sign up and you had to play at least one non-American player every second drive. And we had four national starters at once. With wow. Sebastian Lano, myself, uh, Aiden Dirty, and who was the last one? I think the Swedish safety, Patrick Lindquist. And we were four on the field, like from the beginning of the game. And other teams were like, Are you fucking crazy? And like the coaches, no. We trusted them. They earned it because they know their they know their place, they know their schemes, and they performed the practice, so they let them play. And that, that was and other teams really said, Okay, we have to put somebody in. We take somebody who has a German pass or an European pass until they can have used that as a loophole to, to have the most competitive team. And other teams did that. So it was very, very fortunate in that, in that position of, in that point of time. So I learned so much about especially competitiveness. That's, I think, as a player, what me helped me later on in, in GFL or GFL2 or in the national team the most was the competitive way of thinking of every play and finish what, what every coach says, finish to the whistle. But German football, a lot of times it's a two second play. Like the play goes for five, but a lot of players stop after two. And that's one of the crucial part. I think as a, like as a head coach or coordinator, you have to manage. Like I don't think that you have to have a common goal uh, that you follow with some sort of drills, teaching, coaching, whatever, that you put that into people. But if you could, because if you can do that, you will, 
win a lot of plays and a lot of games out of effort only because yep. so many players don't put the effort in the play every time. And I learned that like the hard way from the beginning. First camp, first day, um, first hit, I was, okay, this is different. Like right off the box. And then every play from then was like hard work, like truly competitiveness, even in the least effort practice, you would not have anybody in front of you would give you less than I give you my best. Mm-hmm. And this is insane when you, when, you, when you go back then to German Division 2 or what, Division 1 even and meet players who think, okay, I'm big, that's enough. Okay, I'm strong, that's an, I'm fast, that's enough. But if you then are like smart, fast and strong and you out-effort somebody, like you're going to be on top in Germany. And a lot of people, and especially players, don't get that. Yeah. That, and that's why I think that I think in Germany every player has a chance to play GFL one and two. Why do you think players don't get that? Because that's one thing I look at too, and I try to teach that everywhere I've been at is that effort. But your opinion personally, why do you think players don't understand that they need to have 110% effort? Like, because you, you just said, right? They, they'll play for two seconds and it's done. Yeah, exactly. You can see if I watch tape, I get I get mad at my players if I stop after two seconds. I I tell like I, I tell them not to leave the room, but I cannot coach you like that because you're not showing me shit, like something. Like I cannot coach nothing. I need to do, see something so I can coach it. Um, but I think if you don't truly put them in an environment, and I think that's perhaps the best goal for a coach to, to build up that environment that mm-hmm. is needed to create this sense of urgency that he has to put a hundred percent effort in there until it's over. Um, it has to be controlled though, because if you do that all the time, it's like it's in, in drills or anything. Like it has to be in any team play you take. Like if you don't put effort in there, like it, the play is wasted. And um, it's hard to, to, to create this environment, but especially because if I talk to you and if you saw, if you like felt it in the States, like it, this is different. But to explain that to a player that never experienced it, that's hard. So you need to, to get those players who know how to do it and create this environment for everybody else. That's why, for example, when I have my defense going soft because our offense is going like not at high pace, they have a lazy day. I tell them like, if they don't crush them like now as hard as I can and don't adjust to their mentality, like we will not get anything out of this. But if they see that if the defense puts up the best pressures they can and they then, like, if both look bad, then it looks okay for, from, from the outside because it looks like they're challenging each other. But if one team, like one side of the team or one person before the other, like it can be in one-on-ones or in any situation on the field, um, like destroys the other person, then the other person don't want to have that happen again. Mm-hmm. And that's how you, I think it's a good way to create that. And it's not to put the best player against the best worst player to, to create this. It's a good it's a good get good against a good player, but the mentality has to be way different. And then you can show them, see, that's pure effort, pure will to execute that and come out way on top instead of just battling and not nobody wins any ground. That's that's not like you don't win anything with that. Mm-hmm. But I think we went still sideways from from my <laughs> career <laughs> in Lübeck. <laughs> but that's it. That's that's it. 
like a major point when what I learned in NFLU as a player and as a coach, you want to create that environment. I know that it done, done, like it has to be an everyday thing in your back of your head and not something you, you plan for or something where you have one drill where you do competition and then everybody understands it. It's not going to work that way. It has to be in every life rep. I would say if you're not teaching, if you're um, executing, it has to be that mentality. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, and then I decided, like, like a lot of people after NFL Europe um, decided that um, I will not, not earn a living from that. Um, back then, there were a few examples. Peter Haya is one of the best examples that even went to the Kansas City Chiefs and could not be activated as an initial player because he was in the practice squad. So those people then get a chance to go into NFL Europe as free agents and not as... Uh, national players which took away all their like other rights they would have as a national player like getting plays and stuff like that and a lot of teams like I mentioned didn't have those open-minded coaches but I said if I go as a free agent in another team and I don't get trusted I get cut so I lose the whole chance and I don't get the national practice team uh, NFL's practice squads um, and then they had to make the decision, most of them. So and nearly none of them made that decision because they didn't have the college experience and no coach would ever trust a lot a player that didn't went to college. Um, the, the, the really fortunate place we are today and that we can send players to high schools through the college system and then people like Bjorn Werner and Kazimiri Bali come out of that. This is, this is so awesome to see that this is possible in Germany because we already back then had the potential to do that, like mm-hmm. back 20 years ago, I think, in my opinion, yeah. there were a lot of players. And it's not, not like me, it's, it's other players that were way better than me at that, that point. Yeah. Um, so I decided um, I will not, like, I'm too old for that, like to, to, to have that as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have made my, like, uh, my computer science degree, I didn't have it yet. So I decided to go back. Um, and finish that degree and after that keep playing as much as I can because I knew okay I was too old to to have those opportunities like I would perhaps play two other years perhaps get a uh, national practice squad in the NFL so to experience all that but in the end I knew when I have my 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 degree I will get like at least the same amount of money for sure for the next 60 years when I started working. So smart decisions all the way. Again? Smart decisions all the way. You always uh, that that focused on that, you know. I mean, this is tough when you say um, you play NFL hero. I mean, like you say, a lot of players try to go then to the States and, you know, getting unfortunately hurt or something like that. But you say you already say, I, I want to be... Well, at that point, I also get hurt. I, like that was another point. But they they asked me if I want to come back in two six two thousand six. But I said then, okay, this is just, I have to finish my degree first, and then we see what happens. Mm-hmm. And and I finished it, and then decided to go like further from bachelor to master and go uh, earn like do it the normal German way <laughs> because I was eventually too old to do some, some, any kind of professional sports at that point. I was 25 years already. Um, and to start the professional career at that point is pretty late. I was also one of the 
like oldest NFL year players who did who started playing there. Like, there were a few guys who already been there for a few years, but I was one of the oldest like starting off there like in a few career. Wow. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I finished that. Um, two thousand eight, I got um, the invitation for the national team, mm-hmm. and from two eight to two fourteen, I played there. Sometimes I didn't like. Different coaches got uh, um, different players for the different, um, like for the World Games, for example, I think it was 2007 in Japan. I didn't play there, um, but I played both European Championships to 10 and to 14 and won them with the team. Mm-hmm. And also back in 1998 with the youth national team, I also won the European Championship. Wow. So I took part in three championships, uh, Europeans, and never lost. So I'm, I'm the good, I'm the trinket. Oh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> and you are in I was in the stadium 2014 Austria Ernst Tappel Stadium I mean people out there great stuff great 28,000 people and it was like 600 German fans or something I, I remember I was staying up singing the German national anthem I was a fan in the stands and everyone I was like Oh, cool, this is loud. And then the Austrians stand <laughs> up and everyone yelling out. And this game was unbelievable. This game yeah, it was, it was great. Also, and I think it was for European, European level without any American teams or NFL Europe involved. It was one of the biggest and uh, uh, most entertaining games ever. I think also it was like a great... Um, in the end, a great commercial for our sport, European-wise. Like um, Austria getting better and better over the last decade, and be really being a competitor um, on the same, like not on the same level because I lost in the end, but but on a real, very, very competitive level with such a not not as big as a country as France, for example, that they won the the, the next European Championship. Yeah, uh, it's. It's great to see to have that like level of competition uh, in the whole Europe. Mm-hmm. This is, is great. I think I, I don't want to put too much credit for Germany, but a lot of those players play in German teams, <laughs> like from France and from yeah. from Austria right now. Like yeah. some of them got into Germany because of that, mm-hmm. but some of them came into their national teams because they played in Germany. But in the end, if if we see football growing in whole Germany in Europe. Uh, I just I just love it, and that the competition gets even bigger and greater, and like it's just great to see. To to in, for example, like in comparison to football was twenty years ago or something. Absolutely, and then the, what you always say, the coaching. It's I mean I've been around in a lot of countries in Europe around Germany, and I always say the biggest difference to German football to other countries is the teams understand we need more than one coach. You know, you still have this mindset in other countries like, no, you're the head coach, you're full-time, I hire you, you're the only one. Okay. <laughs> we talk about offense, defense, O-line, quarterback, I mean, what, what, what are we yeah. talking about? You're the only one. And and in Europe, like you say, even a chief L2 team, say, we need 13 coaches, you know, to, with all the effects you, you say about, you know, guys going on vacation or something. Or, I mean, they're having a normal life. So yeah, this is different. That's why people from Poland, Czech Republic, Austria, they're coming to us because now look at the big teams, Swago Raiders and um, Vienna Vikings. They have a lot of coaches, 
but all the other teams around that don't. So and this is what the German football makes so outstanding is people putting the work in also as a coach. So that is that's absolutely a, a, a great thing. So when you decide to stop or stop playing football, getting into coaching, when you say... Um, when I started coaching in 2003, which was not really early, but pretty early, was 23 yeah. years old. Um, got into it like most of the people do. Um, you're still interested in the sport. You want to help out. You, you get asked if you want to join a, a coach in the team. And so I joined our youth team as in the first year already as a DB coach and uh, defense coordinator, which was for me at that point, transitioning from DN to middle linebacker to coach DBs was interesting. <laughs> But um, it opened up my, 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 uh, my knowledge about football a lot more. But that's why I try to get you know, young, especially good players, into coaching really fast. Because it's going to put in a whole other dimension to your game if you know more about the game. Right. Like if you can, like I, I don't recommend them put them in a defense coordinator spot right away. <laughs> like I was... <laughs> But to put him in a position coaching and with a good coordinator on top who can teach them even more about the game that they don't need only for their position group, that's that's great experience. And also it puts in hold another dimension for good players because they understand how important it is to to be a soldier at some point. Because if you feel that as a coach, that there are some players who think, ah, that's not right. And like argue with you in a not positive way in front of everybody like this stuff is is hurting just everything and you can still argue and you can still make your point and everything is okay but as if you then put yourself in the role of the coach it's going to be a whole different perspective and then you approach it differently like you're going to ask after practice or in the right moment or and use the right language and not be the and especially for some young players who are like great athletes who never needed to know a lot about the game, for example. That's, in my opinion, always a great thing to, to put them through to get more like, awareness of the situation before, like, except for what is happening on the field. But also for, for that reason. Yeah. So I started then and yeah. did that for quite a while. And when I started playing for the national team in 2008... I started also being a, for our all-star team from the state, Schleswig-Holstein, being the linebacker coach at that point. Um, and learned there also from another great coach, uh, André Schlemann, who was the defense coordinator at that point from that team. Uh, learned a lot of things from him. So also got deeper knowledge about football from a different coach. Like it was always great for me to be in some kind of, as a player or as a coach, in some kind of all-star or German national team to, to get more knowledge, to talk to players, to talk to other coaches, to get other mindsets, to get other perspectives on different things, why you run stuff. And I learned, like I got to know so many great personalities and people through that. That's for me one of the biggest and finest things that we have in Germany is are these um, teams for the for the state or for the national team because it also makes you look over over the horizon like 
the team that you play is not always your opponent. Like it's not your enemy. It's on the field. You have to have competition, but football is like right now we are seven, 60, 70,000 in Germany that follow this passion. Yeah. Um, why should anybody of those, this is a crucial low number of the total popularity of Germany. Why should be any, any of those? Like this is, it makes no reason at all. Like on the field. Sure. I have to have an enemy. Like there has to be competition, but uh, after that, I would be stupid not to talk to them, to learn more about the game, to get better at the game, to, mm-hmm. to cherish our passion. Like this is, and that's why I always love this stuff. And that's why I always um, share knowledge when I love sharing knowledge at the end. Like, because I think whenever I share knowledge, I start a dialogue with somebody and then I learn something from it, something from it. Where do you think, where do you think that mindset came from? Because like, I mean, like Coach Sebastian was trying to get to at some point, you went in full-time coaching, but just, just picking your brain, where, where from your personality, did you kind of, you know, become to be that person when you're like, Hey, I want to keep learning. I want to kind of learn from people. Cause I'm kind of the same way. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like I, even like, for example, there's a lot of coaches out there, for example, when they go into, let's say clinics or conventions, they always think, Oh, I, I know everything. So I shouldn't go into this talk. And I really don't care how basic the talk is. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the biggest thing was being out here, you know, all from transitioning, being an import and then coaching, of course, yeah. with the language, that's always interesting because I want to see how, how it was described in German yeah. and because I have German players. But for me, the thing was like, maybe this coach explains however basic it may be a certain technique, maybe another way. And then I could use that way of explaining it to maybe then communicate with another player. So like that's, that's what's interesting for me kind of seeing like why certain coaches are that way and where they got that from, because not everybody's the same mentality. I think there's always the part from, from the human being that thinks, if you went through um, sign some kind of bad situation that you want, never wants to get back into that. Mm-hmm. And it's not always, um, or change that situation. And for me, that's uh, like in a lot of personal, in a very personal way, really deep in, in, in myself that um, if I'm not happy with the situation, I, I, I can change it. Mm-hmm. Like why, why hold out on, like hold out any situation that's not good for you. And then I, at a certain point in my life, I said, okay, why I should only look at myself when I see at situations and don't want to keep them like that. Like at a certain point, like you have to look at a situation and say, okay, I'm fine, but this person is not fine. So I should change that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pick then and pick and really choose the stuff you want to change because you cannot change the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that, that motor that is in myself. If I see something wrong, I want to change it because why keep something bad up? Um, this is like on a personal level, but also very strong. And with that being given in, in, in football life in general, like as a player or as a coach, if I don't like something, I will tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, in, it's always in a good way, I hope. And if and I will have a dialogue about it and I will, um, try to get put myself in a position where I can, where I can change that. Um, and this, this is my driving factor where I think this is coming from. And, and the most underlying point about that is um, what I want to change always is that I know for a reason that you never know everything that you keep, have to keep pushing for more knowledge or more, um, at least more information about where to get that knowledge or more um, 
broader network of people who can help you out with getting that. And yeah, if, if you get at that point in life, I think a lot of people do at some point, um, it becomes natural. Like, why should I not talk? Even if I don't like to people, I sometimes talk to them because I know perhaps I can take something out of it. Like, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big motor if you, want, if, if you reach that point. I had it. I always love, and, and sometimes I feel there, there's too much you always said before, hiding. When, when I come off for a game, you know, you always shake hands, good game, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when you come back from the locker room, um, and this is what I, what I feel was in, in Czech Republic when I was there. That was mm -hmm. really great. You sit down with coaches before the bus is leaving, like, hey, why are you called cover two there? And sometimes, oh no, I don't play cover two. I'm like, <laughs> why, why you call in this situation yeah. this coverage? What I would you show for me? What I mean, I, I told you when, when, when you play trips, I your tendency was 80% bootleg. So this is why I, I, I put my linebacker to the trip side. And um, I don't know, but. This was what I was thinking. Okay, now you run opposite because you see I missed the linebacker there. Whatever. Why, why are you doing stuff like this or, or this or this? I always loved it. And I feel when I was in Czech, that was really open. The guys was like, okay, now, I, mean, I don't show the playbook. But of course, we can talk back and forward why you do yeah. this and why you do this. Sometimes I feel like last year in Switzerland, there was no way. That was, that was like really, no, no, we, we, we don't play trips. You did? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? Uh, you're also a guy like that because I'm also a young coach. I always love to, to chat with people uh, after the game and sit down and say, hey, that's why we do it. I feel you have to have the same, same mindset. In the end, I think there are a few parts to it, but I think uh, one one thing is first that that people are scared of being um, being caught up. Um, but it's only the the mindset of being scared, like that they think probably they don't do it right or that they know know it right. They don't know the right words. So it's more of the unsecureness than fear um, about talking about it. Um, I know other coaches who still think that this like not talking about it um, because you're going to make your opponent better, that they don't see that you're always out of any dialogue. You get something out of it that you also get better. Um, and they like, most likely they will not develop any further than the point they reached or they go into clinics and pay money and stuff like that. But I think they hold themselves back and, and they hurt themselves in the end. Um, and, funny thing is most most of the really really experienced coaches i know they they talk open about everything mm -hmm. like last year we had a few great coaches in in in, in gfl2 like andreas normans and oc from 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 Emshorn or joe roman the defense coordinator mm -hmm. like we talk playing football and also about players that sometimes is more funny if you like if players tell you like, yeah, this team said that and they do this and no, I talked to him. That's a day. They don't do that. <laughs> like, oh, yes. like it's, it's sometimes really funny because like if you have such a, like open, open dialogue with other coaches about these situations, but, uh, but I, 
like I don't I, I understand the point of view of those people who don't talk about it but I don't respect it like it's not it's not my kind of my, not my cup of tea and I think they're gonna hold themselves back over a long time they will uh, any other coach will make bigger progress than they are because they don't talk about it right and at the end of the day I always look at it I mean my, my always thinking and why I have to find a way to get better like it's also like kind of like deep inside it's like it's ultimately the players. I'm doing the players a disservice by not getting better because at the end of the day, and this is my honest opinion, at least for me, yeah. I don't care what I do coaching-wise. Like, it's wins and losses or whatever it is, like championships. It's all great. You know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a reward. You see the process. But I look at it in terms of, okay, if, if I get better this offseason, if I go to clinics, if I learn, if I talk to other coaches, right, who's getting better? My players. And that's what I want to get better. I want my players to get better so yeah. they can grow, not only on the field, but what? And we talk about it all the time, but – in life, because life, you know, is much harder than football. You know, <laughs> whatever little yeah. thing we could help teach them, not only, especially when we do with men, but also the kids, the youth, like with the all star, the all star team, the state all star teams. Yeah. That's a minus, at least for me. That's my driven deal. Where I look at it, it's like I got to get these guys better, you know. And it's a beautiful thing that process, seeing them just blossom as players and as individuals. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be our ultimate goal. Like if you, if we get better, like I said before. If there's one coach at the sideline who knows everything and the players, 11 guys on the field, don't know anything to do, like, it's, we achieve nothing. Yeah. And I think this comes together now. You, uh, uh, you finish this topic, uh, becoming the, the head coach. And, of course, you have right now, I don't know how many players you have. You have a foundation of the Lübeck Cougars and the Lübeck Seals. You are the new head coach. Probably this mindset, what you say, brings you this to this uh, to this point. Um, how many? I mean, do the whole journey you say you had at the first coach? I mean, the Lübeck Cooper's coming right now to one of the biggest, biggest programs in North Germany with all this foundation and having having this coaching coaching staff. Um, yeah, how that comes together, I don't know. We don't want to go in details, but. Um, Now you come up with this great facilities. This helps you, of course, also as a coach. I know the facilities um, there. You're having bigger meeting rooms right now, everything. Um, how how you think is this helps your, your coaching and all that stuff in, in building this program really, really big over the next over the next years down there? I don't know. You have probably some numbers, how many players you have right now and members, you know, members. Of <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, first for the fusion of the clubs. Um, we, at that point, had above 500 members in the ASC Lübeck because we are American sports club. So we have cheerleading also. We have multiple cheerleading teams. We have dance teams. We have... A bowling team, which is great. Like they, they, they don't exist for a long time, but they win state championship already. Um, and we have lacrosse teams, different teams. Um, we have three youth teams in great shape. One of them, GFL juniors. Um, I'm sure I will forget somebody. <laughs> Yeah. So we are like that's also why we are so stable right now in this it's in this bad times we go through because we have so many members like um and then the seals came on board last year or in the beginning and end of last year like the fusion uh, was officially in the first of january this year 
and last year we had different like member meetings to make votes on if you want to do that on different contracts there were so many people involved um, like lawyers multiple lawyers because the german um club rights are really like in depth and you have to see what about facilities what about um if you're in debt what so much stuff you have to take care and um there were so many guys involved and you cannot name anybody but uh, everybody but it was a like a true team effort to get that done and a lot of people put a lot of time in there to 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 make it happen mm -hmm. and then the seals in the end had around 100 members and not all of them were players like we also have a few seals players who really helped us in the first team a lot of them went to the second team there were still this kind of awkward situation in the beginning like last year but they also started playing last year like last year they don't had any team in in, the, in any division yeah. the players already came to our team um, not all of them because it was kind of awkward, but then when they saw they get treated the same, they will get teached, they will make progress. Like, um, they said, okay, this is a good thing. Let's, let's keep on pushing. And then after the fusion was done, we could also really put time in those facilities because with a hundred members, there's probably 20 members that are not active. If at all, you cannot make, those facilities staying in great shape with now we're above 600 close to 700 members there's a lot of uh, members who want to help at that field and that facility to to make it something great and this is an incredible opportunity for the for the club to to make something great out of that oh. uh, so talking about facilities it's in fact two big meeting rooms like two equipment rooms with helmets and everything you need as for mechanic wise like tools and everything you you need to do um two washing rooms for like to get anything cleaned up you need to get cleaned up after practices like it looks like a small high school in the end okay. um, yeah a coach office was was created there um we have two big lockers we have a gym a small gym right now like not really big, but like 40 square foot. And you have a squat rack, you have a bench, you have leg press, you have dumbbells, you have anything you need to do workout yeah. um, in small groups. Like groups by 10 can work out there and it's great for the youth that do that all winter. Um, twice already yet now. Um, and then we have the turf field which we have, which we have 24 seven access to. Like we only have to manage our teams on that. That thing we're in Germany, so we need we need the night times or an evening time, so we still have to manage it. Like we cannot just go there, um, and we still have our second tour field in Lübeck, where, um, for example, once a week our second team practice there, once a week our youth teams practice there, young U16, U13. So we because not everybody because of Lübeck can work at the evening on that field through the whole week, yeah. but still it's it's. It's awesome. Like you have anything. You have big containers with football equipment there. Other big containers, like sea containers. Um, like a lot of teams do that. I know that. Like get big sea containers for cheap money and put the equipment there so it's uh, weather is not uh, destroying it over time. Absolutely. That's what I want to say. You, you because I I know how it looks there. You have a high school setup there. I mean, I've been in. This I think so. Yes. I see normal small high schools. You have a high school setup there. 
and I think this would make the Cougars organization uh, or the RF say Lübeck now unique out there. You know, I mean, there's just teams going up, going down everywhere, and and and, and this is that that's something that makes you makes you great. How you handle the corona right now? You're having meetings because you say you have a foundation come together um, preparing for GFL2 and you are a GFL2 team who always finish under the top three. I don't remember a year when the Cougars were or than four or something in the last year. You're always a great team down there, up there. Um, how, how did slowdowns now everything? How operations slow down? You have meetings, something online, of course. Um, well, well, we had a bad time before, <laughs> so <laughs> we we nearly went down the third division like three years ago. But but that's that's passed. And before that, we had a great team, and now we we're back on top again. So um, yeah, how we handle that? We were in just in the in the, in the the transition to to camps we had two day camps like i mentioned in this facilities which is great you can have a complete practice you go inside have a meeting you can have a meal you go outside have another practice you go inside shower take care of yourself have a barbecue as a team this is this is pure heaven for a football coach mm -hmm. to have these kind of facilities which also makes it so important in the preseason for us to have those facilities because not a lot of teams can just meet up at some facility for a whole day of practice and get like two weeks of practice worth of time out of this because you get so much more knowledge into a per person if you go through a whole day and not only one practice for two hours and then they go home. So this is such a, such a great addition for the whole program because the first team can do much, much more professional practice. And so we were just in transition, like we were three weeks before camp, four weeks before we played the Berlin Rebels. So we were just, we would have two, two more day camps, the, the, the team camp, like we would be ready. Like I've have, I had great confidence in our team and I still have it. Um, and then Corona came and then everybody, like you have to take care of the personal, the person first. Like mm -hmm. anybody is in a really special situation. That's why I put no pressure at nobody right from, from the beginning and say, we need to do this, we need to do this or to keep some kind of um, like we need to meet every week so we don't get too distance and stuff like that. Um, our team has a pretty good social bond. That's, that's also because we did every five weeks since November, we did team bonding. We didn't do practice. We did two, the Tuesday and the, the Thursday or Friday, depending every five weeks we did, for example, go in the air ball park, and and shoot at each other <laughs> or we went we went out and did uh, ice stock season i think it's curling yeah it's curling as a team which is which is great fun everybody on ice and with normal shoes and having a little blue vine uh that was great, great. <laughs> and, uh, then we had a uh, once on the christmas market in Lübeck, which is really famous we have a few players from kiel from hamburg from other small villages so we all enjoyed christmas market together for once then we had once uh, the Lübeck old town is really famous like in Europe for having one of the few oldest structures and 
really nice small um, backyards and all that. And there's there are a lot of different um, um, tours through that. And there's and we did one of those with the team, so we know a little more of the history of the city and everything like that. So we did. I think at the end, 18 buildings over four months and everybody got to know each other and, and uh, put that also, like we didn't do that before. Like we did once perhaps having some kind of good time or whatever, but I said, okay, every five weeks we do that, we plan it. It takes a little bit of planning, takes a little bit of money, but what the team gets out of it, it's so, so great. If you start so late with, with clinics or mini camps and your team has already bonded, um, you don't have to take um, care of so much of the social aspect in practice, which if you have collision, emotions, effort, and competition, if you put that already in there and they, then the people don't know each other too good because they were in the gym all, all winter and are eager to fight, <laughs> then it, like, you set them up to fail sometimes. Mm -hmm. And with that, you, you can handle the situation much, much better because you know the people better. As the coaches, you get to know them. The people get to know their position group better and all that. Yeah. So it's, it's, in my opinion, a better approach in Germany to do this much more than most of the teams do. And everybody is really like welcoming it, just putting five euros in and that's it. And most of the time, you're going to have a good time together. Just and that's, that's important, I think, especially if you, if you know that you probably for the season, you're not going to see a lot of different people. Like, yeah, it's part of football life in, in Europe. Like, you will not see a lot of people other than your team in the season. But sometimes your family and like extended family, friends, perhaps. But for the rest of the time, you're going to see those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always uh, always tricky. And you come up with your own idea how you fill up your unexpected free time right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't sleep. So what you did, what you, what you're doing, uh, because I mean, the most people know it already, what, what was your idea, how to come to it and, and what it is? Yeah, I started the YouTube channel. I had this idea for a few years now and it was always, it was created a few years ago <laughs> and I just okay. rena renamed it. And, uh, so I started uh, Stoßberg coaching, which is a YouTube channel to transfer knowledge in German for German coaches. Because um, as I transitioned into coaching 2003 and then transitioned into coaching coaches in 2008, where I started to coach C license in our state, and then later on started to coach position groups and, and, and defense tactics in other states too for the C license, which is the third highest license you can get, or the first and the third highest. Um, after a while, Then they asked me if I want to coach the B license in, in Frankfurt, which is central for the whole Germany. And now it's, it even got extended, which normally it is only like once a year for 20 guys, 25 guys. And now they have two of them because there are so many people want to want to go and um, do the licenses or mm -hmm. get better overall. And it is a high chance that we get involved with the coaches that are doing the B right now with the A2 because... Um, they see the benefit of German coaches coaching German coaches because Americans always always have their own environment and their own uh, circumstances they have to handle, which is either you're a high school coach and you have 40 new players every year 
because it's cool, so you get new players, <laughs> or you're a college coach and then you get scholarships where you can choose, pick and choose players if, if at best. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we were lucky and had American coaches who were having lectures who were in a similar situation where they don't have so many scholarships, but they still have a program and facilities and all that stuff, which is not comparable to, to anything we are handling and also not comparable to, to football in Europe because none of us have um, college football like, or university football, anything like that. We have six university teams, but they are fun teams. Yeah. And when I started coaching, I always had that like transferring knowledge in me. I want to, because I think it's also self-growth that takes part in there. Like, like I said, you have a dialogue with others and you're going to extend your own knowledge by teaching others. Um, and then I said, okay, how can I put that on a bigger, on a bigger um, scale at some point? Because I knew every time I hold lectures, like, oh, this is great. I should have moved that earlier. Or like if it's basic stuff or extended stuff, most of the time it's in between, but it's about, German talking or the native speaker talking in his native language about all the all the little things why things work and don't work like um, a lot of Americans think that's common knowledge and in Germany a lot of things are not common knowledge which which is football but because we don't do it since we were five years old and so the German perspective and I think also my special perspective as uh, um, um, as I have apprentices for my job in my company. So I, um, I have two apprentices for computer science in my company. And that has to be, you have to have a sort of certificate in Germany to, be, to, to teach apprentices. Uh-huh. And that's also a part that makes me more aware of everything you need to know about coaching and about transferring knowledge. And uh, so it's always driven me and it's, uh, it's more I put time in it, not only with, with this YouTube channel now, but in, at work or in private, I see that it's, uh, it's a motor that drives me a lot to, to work with people, to transfer knowledge and to, to widen their perspective, uh, if you want so. So I, yeah, I started that channel and I have um, two series up now. One is about... Um, truly coaching football especially um, in long term so the knowledge first of all you get the knowledge transferred right to the player or to the coach mm-hmm. and also that you can that it's sustained knowledge so in two or three weeks or in a month that he still has a very high chance that he knows that skill that he can work out that skill that he knows the playbook at that point so uh, and how you can take care of that for example as a coach with and the major point I, I try to do there, I try to make there is that, for example, in athletics, there are there is way more scientific views on how to teach and how to develop people. For example, in if you think about a hundred meter runner, you have so many tests that he takes, like physically or biologically, biologically, that um, you can see he gets better or not. And then you do your drill again and you test again and then you see if it's getting better or not. And with a lot of football, we don't do that, especially in Europe. I, th- I, I think some programs perhaps do it, but not in this depth because you can extend that to techniques. You can extend that to playbook knowledge. You can extend that to anything. And some people do it, for example, playbooks that do tests. But who really takes this test and then sees, okay, this is a 
lack of knowledge at that point. We have to go there and cancel that. Like we have to get this knowledge into the player and then do the test again and see, okay, this worked and have this scientific approach to it. And I think a lot of German coaches don't do that. And I have this lecture, you can check it out on my channel. And the other one is about um, how to pick a defensive system. Um, where I talk about defensive systems in general and um, not, not really about in depth how you play cover two, for example, because that's a different lecture later on. <laughs> yeah. but, but what do you have to, to, to be aware of if you take, like for example, you have a 4-3 or a 3-4. I just cannot go from one to the other because there are so many concepts behind it that I have to be aware of that also going to have effects on the coverage, on the run fits, on the read of the linebacker. So on different techniques, I coach for different positions just because I draw a 4-3 or 3-4 or 3-3. And to understand it as a coach, this works this way. It's pretty easy. But to then understand if I pick a system a certain way, I have to teach all these different techniques before that works on the field. And to commit to one, like, to one straight line in the end that, that fits everything, the front to the blitz, to the coverage, to the run read, to the run fit from everybody, from the back seven. Mm -hmm. um, that's another point I tried to make because a lot of people think, okay, I just put up another system and it works. You have to figure out how your techniques that you coach from the beginning, and it's not tackling and blocking I talk about, but for example, a great example is breaking a double team. If you play a 3-4 attack defense or a 3-3 attack defense where the defense line slants all the time or most of the time and or a 3-4-3 where you have play half a man, a shoulder, put your hands in there, that's a whole different technique. And then if you say, I play a double team, that's a technique you coach. Like a, a, a developed technique. I mean, every system needs like 3-4 base run and 3-4 base pass techniques for every position group that you need definitely. If it's a drop from a linebacker and for the special coverage, it's a different drop, cover two wall technique or cover four drop spot or whatever, um, just for examples. So you need to be aware of that, that you cannot just draw something up. And even if the player understands that, he will not perform it because mm -hmm. there are so many other things to pick in the defensive system that you know the skills of the players. And those kind of work together, those two systems, like those two 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 topics I, I started this really because it's so important to understand to coach something over time and make it make it really about scientific approach coaching that and then be aware of that that this takes time and then on the other part if you pick a system all that has to be included if you really want to make it at, at, a, at yeah. a high level or at some level but I think in any level it can be managed to write down a number from one to five of a player to a technique. Yeah. And then after a month, you can say, okay, did I work on that? Did I didn't work on that? Okay, it didn't work, so I have to get back on that. And don't say, a lot of things, like I mentioned before, happen because you see stuff happen over time and you say, okay, this has to change. One thing that happened over time, not to myself, but to other players I know, oh, he can't tackle. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? And then after a year, he can still can tackle. Why? You're not doing your job. Yeah, absolutely. And I, if you have this normal drill, for example, for tackling, and yeah. you have five coach points, and grade those five coach points, and then a year later you say, these five coach points are the same, 
then you say, okay, you didn't coach that code point. And you can break it down to the, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If, if I talk about the drill coaching points in the drill book. And those, those are stuff that are rudimentary in German coaching that people have to just understand as, as they learn the knowledge. And football is not a study where you open up a book, learn it, and go in the field and do it. Football is something you have to learn from somebody who did it. Yeah. My opinion. My opinion. Just not the truth, but my opinion. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's, that's why I also always, um, you know, when you make your season plan, um, you know, your 12 or uh, 40 months plan, um, I always put also in, okay, where we want to be at what, at what point. Because exactly. what we want to coach and where we want to end up. So sometimes players, I, when I look at it, oh, technique technique when, when we go to tackling i was like before we go to tackling we need to i mean for me this is the last point i need to come from point a to point b to come in front of the person with the ball yeah. and make mm -hmm. a tackle but how i come there this is always sometimes um hard to to get the guys um yeah understand and how much you think it helps as you make this in just i cut in there and cut in there i have the same same analogy on man coverage people yeah. who do ball drills with their defensive backs i hate it i okay. I, I let my dbs practice three times a year with the ball yeah. Yeah. because if you're not in the right spot to catch the ball you will not catch the ball mm -hmm. so what i what i do with my most is like man technique or their pattern reads on the whatever pattern coverage we run right now. So we need to do that much, much, much more than catching the ball because they do that anyway. Yeah, it's always, I mean, I'm also a big DB guy, Coach Meller also, um, and you. Um, for me, it's always interesting when you, when you talk to the guys, okay, how you play man-to-man -man before, we press them outside or we press them inside, okay? Like, what's, your, what's your first hand doing? Is he soft? Is he pushing? What are you doing? I mean, there's a difference between man-to-man -man open field and man-to-man -man on the goal line man-to-man yes. -man on the on first and ten on, on or whatever no we we line up face to face one yard away and and the big thing <laughs> and, and the big thing the players always say is oh uh where's the ball they're individual where's the ball is like you guys don't deserve the ball like that <laughs> i always did it with the with the all-star team in bavaria every year i was like oh, coaches would say why don't you use the ball it's like because they can't even backpedal <laughs> I bring the football out, you know. I was like, no. Yeah. Like, Especially in youth teams, you need to grind those techniques. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I always say when when we're teaching young coaches, also with interim clinics. I say on defense, besides a D liner who react on the snap of the ball, we don't need a ball. I mean, get all your reads right. If you you know use your eyes, sometimes stay up. What is your hand? What is what is your hand doing when the left eye or right eye is seeing this? And yeah, sometimes the guy's not happy when there is the ball just in my hand. <laughs> never, uh, never left yeah. But uh, what do you think? How much this helps you? Does you a native German speaker on the coaching uh, schools on the license? Because I feel sometimes the lost in translation. You know, when, when you have an American guy stay up in front and speaks everything in English, everyone like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. How much this helps you, just you speaking German and, and, and making these courses in, in, in German language, if you make it in German language? I do it always. Yeah. I do it always. Um, 
And I think in Europe, even English, like we can talk about any topic because we are like, it's our like work language at some point. And like not only English, but also football because it's an old language. Um, so you can be very comfortable. And if you can kind of understand stuff we've mentioned before, like effort, the effort is not only that you give your everything effort is something like it's something different. <laughs> like it's a pure will to, 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 to execute and also the finish in there. Like it's all it involves. And if you just put a pure translation on it, you don't get the feeling about it, like what it truly means. So I always think that it's, it's to teach something and especially terminology and which is a lot of football is terminology um, is the explanation of it in its language. Um, and as we have the terminology in English and football, that's fine to use the English terminology, but you have to have the German background to really find the right words. Uh, and I think the same would be for France, for example, for Spain. If you would teach them in English, they wouldn't understand half of it, not only because of the language barrier. And I still think, even though we are very good in Germany, because all our imports say all the time, we never have problems finding somebody speaking English anywhere in shops or on the street or whatever um, with the government. Um, so I think there's still a lot of people out there, especially in football who don't really are the best English speakers. And I think also that's why I decided to make that channel in, in German, uh, not only for that, but also um, because I think that the language barrier is the, not only the translation, but also the explanation behind it. And I think that makes it a lot easier for a lot of people to, to get knowledge and to, um, to understand it, transfer it to, to other coaches. That's, and that's why I decided to do it. Like I could reach much more people with, with English, and, but I don't think um, that would be the right purpose. Yeah. Like later on, if I get a million requests to do something, but I don't think so because English is, there's so much videos out there. Like when I started it, there were like eight different channels that wrote me like, ah, oh, yeah, it's the same stuff here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a hundred videos plus. And it was like, yeah, it's in English. Like <laughs> it's not my, now so I know that it's not, I'm not going to earn money with that because I know we have two and a half thousand coaches in Germany who have a license and then perhaps three times that. That much? I don't know. Yeah, two and, a half, two and a half thousand licenses, 160 B license, 40A. Where are roundabout, roundabout. Where are these? Where they are? <laughs> like C license, you do like there are a lot of teams. Like we have like some at some states we have seven divisions. Yeah. Seven eight teams per division, then every state that's a lot of people. And and C license is very common in these days. Like but I don't still think that there are a lot of teams who only have one or two coaches who have a license. So yeah. The Dunkelziffer uh, is way higher. Like, I think there are much, much more coaches out there who want to learn, but don't perhaps are too shy or don't have the time, don't have the money. Don't yeah. like there's so much hurdles you have to take to do those things, and even to go like the Bavarian Clinic or whatever or the conference there. I would go there, but it's for me, it's a hell of a trip, and it's also money I put in there on top of what I do anyway, like yeah. coaching. Team, coaching the all-state team, coaching national, coaching um, coaches. Like this is, and a lot of people who invest time in football don't do it just a little bit. Like, so it's, 
big hurdles I have to take. And I think that this way for me is a good way to transfer knowledge that's going to help a lot of people, hopefully. Since now, since uh, since now, I got positive feedback from a lot of people, so yeah. I think I'm gonna keep doing it, um, but even if Corona stops. So, because I think it's a when once you everything is set up, it's it's okay. The beginning was pretty hard right now to set everything up and mm-hmm. uh, get everything running, but now I have a bunch of topics. Um, I, I have to prepare them. That's a lot of thing because I always do my own. Um, presentations um, yeah. on the, at least so i because i think if you say something and use something others the um, presentation you always have to say ah that is different uh, you have to think that way or you have to think that way and if you do it your own you you, you always have what you need yeah what i started also was i try i asked the federation if i can use uh like clips from huddle yeah I can I can blend out the huddle like uh, overview and stuff like that. So it's just a video running in the middle of my presentation. But I wanted to really to use that as an extra tool for my stream or like I stream sometimes too, but it's mm-hmm. it's only in Facebook groups for German coaches. Um, so and then I cut up the stream, put it on YouTube, and uh, then I'm gonna put up only YouTube videos right now, where I then hopefully talk about moving pictures because there you can explain much much more and better like drills and how you do certain coverages stuff i definitely want to do in the future um like next week is going to be the first like special topic because right now i did like defense like pick a defensive system is still kind of a wide topic but talk about for example cover two in depth how to teach it and what techniques you need and show the techniques and not only the scheme that would be the next future like um, parts, how to do stuff or fronts and how you use that and show pictures and show videos to it. And then I still wait for the Federation now to get the allowance to, to use the tape from Huddle because you can see the team names, so the team logos, you can see GFL logos and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I don't want to brand myself as a Federation channel or something, yeah. but I think um, I need that permission, but I didn't get it yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm waiting for that to put out like more quality content. I think because the only presentation is only so good to a certain amount of time. Yeah. What about what, what about coaching coaches to coach? Because that's something where, and I can say this even in the states, they they don't coach coaches like how to coach, like how to speak with players, like you know what I'm saying, like the word choice. That's one big like they you learn X's and O's for the most part. Yeah. But just I mean you know this like just the way that you speak to a player. And especially depending on the type of personality that, that type of player is, is very different. That's a lot of things that a lot of coaches don't know. Like, cause there's some coaches out there and I've had those coaches like that in college where they yell at everybody, you know, but there's only certain, certain archetypes that you're allowed to yell at and so forth. So what I'm asking is basically like, are you also going to be getting into that aspect on your channel? And do you do that also with the, with the Federation licenses? Do you also get into that topic or not really? Um, that was actually one of the two, like, series i already did is is mentioning that in depth how you coach and how you teach about because i think that's a one of the most important um skills as a coach i need to be a teacher at some point Mm -hmm. um so and the 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 lecture is called sustainable um ausbildung um apprenticeship Mm -hmm. 
so sustainable education so um, yeah. that you not only um, go into depth about how people learn for example when we now talk and they have a podcast and you only hear voices the next day you remember about 20 percent yeah right if you um, hear and see somebody you're going to probably remember 50% because only seeing something for a presentation, for example, without sound, it's 30%. And if you put that those together, it's 50. So that's kind of a theorem I put in there, um, the archetypes of learning. Okay. And also that every person has kind of a tendency how he can learn best, for example. And that's theories I talk about in there, but also how we can adjust that to football practice. Because um, people do sometimes things intuitively correct, but it's, uh, it's important to understand how much knowledge you have of the stuff you do. And um, you can grade it, actually. I also talk about that. You can grade it into, um, you know something, um, I have to translate something. Yeah. Consciously, um, you have a conscious and unconscious uh, knowledge, and then you have um, competence about something. So you have conscious competence about something. So you, this is the most highest um, degree of how you can handle knowledge in, your, in yourself. And unconscious unknowledge is the last, least. And most of the coaches that yell around and don't care about what you think right now is is exactly that. They don't know how to teach and they're not aware of that they're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. The next level would be that you're aware of that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wide, uh, wide topic and the, the yeah. people hopefully enjoying your language because we are close to hitting the two hours again. And again? Holy shit. Yeah. That went fast. Yeah, exactly. It's but I talk about it on my channel. Um, there's even text translation, I think, because YouTube is really good in that stuff. Right. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's no problem. Because next week we have on the show, because that's why uh, Coach uh, Philip is doing this in German for you coaches out there. And next week we have a guest uh, from the Switzerland Federation. And when I was lost here in Switzerland, I was shocked. There's not even a coaching license what There's nothing for not coaches coaches uh, oh my god time <laughs> do it and we are all yelling and mad sometimes with our federation but when you look outside we have a good system we have a coaching school we have a b c license we have a lot of stuff. We have guys like Philip out there who make it in his private time in German. So everyone hit up on YouTube, Storsberg, Storsberg Coaching on YouTube. Uh, please check that out. And I think we have a great, great German coaches community. And like I say, when you look outside, there's other countries there. Way, 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 way worse than we are. So we want to say, because... We posted this uh, next week, but thank you for your Saturday time, Philip. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you guys out there enjoyed. 
And yes, stay tuned, stay safe. And I hope we see us everyone on the field again. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having yep. me. Have Same, a good one. Yeah. Take it easy. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.